It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. What's up and welcome back to the Locked On Bucks podcast. I'm James Yarko, joined as always by David Harrison. You can find everything that we're doing over at thepewterplank.com and make sure you follow along on Twitter at Locked On Bucks, at thepewterplank, at jyarko underscore bucks, and at dh82 underscore bucks. I will apologize in advance for the poor audio. David is on location doing some work out of town. And my computer uh, took a look at me and was like, mm, no, not not today. So we are recording a podcast from our cell phones. Hopefully tomorrow we'll be back up and the uh, the audio quality will be better. But until then, we have a few things that we would like to discuss regarding our beloved Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We're going to talk a little bit about this Jameis Winston Uber investigation that just keeps dragging and dragging and dragging. And then we're going to address a Twitter question that we got uh, from one of our followers. So first off, David, let's dive into this Jameis Winston thing. We heard about it last season. It's been an ongoing process. You know, mum is the word. You know, we haven't heard a whole lot about it. But recently, the guys over at Joe Bucks fan had mentioned that what they're hearing from their league sources is that it's going to be a one-game suspension. Rick Stroud addressed it on his podcast, talking about. You know, there's likely going to be some punishment, but he doesn't see it as being multiple games. So I reacted to it over at thepewterplank.com. I think the Bucks can withstand a one-game Jameis Winston suspension. I just really wish that this whole thing would be done and over with. But what's kind of your take from what you've what you've heard, what you've read? I mean, do we do we basically at this point feel like some kind of suspension? is imminent and inevitable or do you still think there's a possibility that Jameis Winston you know can clear his name whether it's with his with his friend uh I can't remember the guy from the Eagle Ronald Darby was that it who was who had claimed that that, he was in yeah he said he was in the vehicle with him this didn't happen you know all this do you still think there's the outside chance that Jameis just gets cleared of everything and isn't going to serve any kind of suspension or is it going to be like your boy Ezekiel Elliott, where he had no charges brought against him? There wasn't, you know, enough evidence. There really wasn't anything going on, and he still got slapped with six games. How do you see this shaking out at this point? So there's there's a lot of comparisons um, to the Ezekiel Elliott situation, right? And I don't really, outside of the realm of this being NFL players, young NFL players, who have a little bit of public drama happening. Beyond that, those parameters, those are really the only parallels I draw between the two situations because in the Ezekiel Elliott situation, you know, going back to, you know, around the draft period, like his his ex-girlfriend, uh, you know, there was some debate as to the legitimacy of her bruises and all that. I guess she, she had, like, some makeup skills and some people were talking maybe she, you know, faked them or whatever, but Either way, there were at least like some photos of her with what looked like marks. There were some, there was some substantiating evidence that like that he was actually in her presence around the time that she says the incident took place. And then there was the Mardi Gras thing, and and you know just, just everything going on. Like 
there was actual video or photographic evidence of things tied to Ezekiel Elliott that just had shady undertones involved, right? This James Winston situation, unless I'm missing something, has none of that. There's no cell phone video. There's no, like, there's not even a, you know, I mean, okay, so as far as we know, right, that we've heard of, but by now I kind of feel like if there were, like, a smoking gun type of evidence, like, had this Uber driver, I don't know, sent a text to uh, her best friend or another Uber driver, oh, my gosh, this NFL player just, you know, behaved like this, just did this to me or, or what, you know, like, I can go back and show you that text excuse me, at least it shows that in the moment on the day around the time where this apparently happened, there was some sort of evidence evidence supporting the claim, right? But there's none of that. There's no drive-through video footage, right? I guess, like, uh, there either wasn't a camera or there was a camera, but it wasn't pointing in the right place. Like, it's a pure he said, she said. And I understand that the NFL is not a court of law, so they don't have a burden of evidence. And there's no such thing as innocent until proven guilty, but I just – I feel like the NFL has already set a little bit of a bad precedence in some of their actions. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Uh, With punishing players unjustly, right? And I say unjustly, I got it. Playing in the NFL is not a right. It is a privilege. And you are a steward of your profession. You're a representation of the shield. I get all of that, okay? But... What we're opening the door to is that players are going to be punished based off of accusations with zero corroborating evidence. And that's my problem with the Winston incident. I'm not saying he didn't do it, right? I'm not saying he didn't behave inappropriately. I'm not even saying maybe Ronald Darby was in the front seat. Maybe it was him behaving inappropriately. But the only name she got was Jameis Winston, so that's where his name came in. You know, like, humans are humans, and things things kind of happen, and, and weird stuff happens. I actually had just had a conversation with a buddy of mine we just figured out that we both know a guy from previous in my career, so on and so forth, we're catching up, and it turns out that he uh, is no longer doing what we're doing for a living because of an incident that happened. And I'm like, whoa, that blows my mind. So, like, people are people and things happen. But for the NFL to punish somebody, and I know it's all speculation right now, but even one game, even one game sets such a dangerous precedent. Because now, if I'm a guy out there in a bar, or if I'm a woman out there in a bar, or in a club, or in a store, or in traffic, I know, like, I'm just, you're making your players more vulnerable because I know I can now throw an accusation out and at a minimum, even one game, like, I agree with you that the Buccaneers can rebound from one game. I think the Buccaneers could still actually beat the Saints in the beginning of the season, even without Jameis Winston, you know, depending on, obviously, pending training camp, hopefully no injuries, knock on wood, so on and so forth. But that's not the point for me. The point is this is opening a very dangerous door because, NFL players already have to walk on as they already have to like you can't you can't respond to everybody that DMs you on Instagram you can't respond to everybody that at you on Twitter because you don't know what their ulterior motives are. Well, now you're running into a situation where so you're telling me like I don't know like if Jameis Winston gets traded to the I don't know the Cleveland Browns three years from now and I'm so bitter about it that 
I can now go get a lawyer who 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 has a has has his eyes set on the stars and and say, you know what, I went to training camp once, and Jameis Winston not only turned down my autograph, but he called me a a, a racial slur because him and I are not the same race. And that can, that can be brought up. There's zero evidence for it. There's zero evidence to to dispute it. But now because we're so we're overcorrecting so much on trying to protect the shield, quote unquote, we're going to start punishing people with zero evidence. Unless I'm wrong, and there is some evidence, which I would hope that you would have stopped me by now uh, to say, well, you missed, you must have missed this report of this evidence that came out. I, I know it's not a court of law, so there's no such thing as innocent until proven guilty. But I feel like this is an over. If if it were to lead to a suspension, even a one game suspension, it's just a one more step in the overcorrection that the NFL has been in the process of ever since Ray Rice. Yeah, I, I can definitely see that side of it. And I want to say that there was some sort of report within, you know, like a 24 to 48 hour time frame uh, where she had reported it to Uber. I can't remember. I, for some reason, when you brought up text messages, something, something kind of rang a bell in my head that there was some sort of text message involved, but I can't remember the context of the text messages. And of course, since my computer is currently, um, dying. I can't, I can't look it up, but I want to say she texted somebody and said that she gave a ride to an NFL player, but I can't remember if, if she specified if there was anything, you know, that happened that wasn't on the up and up. And she, she couldn't name who the player was at the time, but I, I, I definitely get what you're saying. It is a dangerous precedent that the NFL is setting. And I think why you get so many Ezekiel Elliott, comparisons is because that that suspension is still so fresh that's still the most recent one that we have where there really wasn't any kind of evidence or or charges or anything brought against the player that he still had to pay you know with playing time regardless of what the situation was and and you're right it's it's been a major overcompensation since the Ray Rice video leaked because the NFL doesn't want that situation to happen again. And correct me if I'm wrong, but when these when these accusations were brought up against Ray Rice, he got a one or a two game suspension until the video came out. And I don't think the NFL wants to get caught in that kind of situation again, where you know, let's say they do suspend Jameis one game. And this is all hypothetical, of course. They suspend Jameis one game, and then all of a sudden there is something that comes out. You know, that they didn't realize they had, you know, maybe the the facility next to whatever that drive through that they went that they went in, you know, maybe they go back and they realize that they have footage of that particular night. And it puts Jameis in a very, very bad situation where it, it the camera catches him doing what she says he did. Well, now the NFL gets caught up in the whole, well, we thought we had this handled and now we look terrible because this piece of evidence has come out after we already issued a punishment. So, yeah, I, I think you hit the nail on the head there that they're they're going a, a little too far at times because of that whole incident where the, the elevator video came out. And we saw it happen with Tom Brady, whether you like him, love him, hate him, whatever. You know, you have the whole Tom Brady deflate gate stuff. And they went crazy on that, and it, it kept getting delayed and delayed and delayed. And finally, you know, it was solved. And then we have Ezekiel Elliott last year. You know, it's it's a constant thing with the NFL now. And I realize, as you said, these players don't have to 
you know, be found guilty in a court of law to be found guilty in the court of Roger Goodell. You know, protect the shield. We hold our players to a higher standard than average citizens, yada, yada, yada. And, and that's why they have to suffer these penalties. So I agree that it's it's setting a dangerous precedent. But at the same time, I believe that because the precedent has basically already been set, that whether he's guilty or not, regardless of what evidence they found in their investigation you know, any of that, I think we're going to see Jameis miss at least one game. I would say probably two at the most, you know, and maybe that's a four game suspension down to two on appeal or something like that. But I don't think we're going to see Jameis under center for week one of the 2018 season. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yeah, no, I agree. And I'll, and I'll uh, let me uh, let me clarify what I was talking about. I have my, my iPad with me, so I was able to pull some stuff up. Um, okay, perfect. So to the listener who's screaming at me to, to correct me, listen, I'm not a drama guy, so I really don't track drama too much. But here's, so here's what I found, um, going back to refresh both of our memories for this. So, uh, she did file a report with Uber, uh, like you had already mentioned. There's a screenshot in this BuzzFeed article, which, uh, yeah, no, I'm just going to leave that alone. Um, but it is a screenshot <laughs> of the report, you know, supposedly sent uh, to Uber. Um, it doesn't say a name. You know, it just says, wow, uh, you know, the writer did this. And, and it's already been, you know, kind of already known that she didn't really know who uh, was in the car, you know, uh, as far as, you know, uh, status and pop culture status and all that. And then, according to the reports uh, on this website, okay, to take it with a grain of salt, uh, she told approximately five people she knows about the incident after it happened. There is a screenshot here of a text message essentially saying the same thing. This one is later, uh, right before, yeah, later that morning. And th- by now, she has learned the name of the, of the writer, who, she, well, who she's accusing of the writer, is James Winston. There are parts of the text that are blurred out. You know, I don't know what the reasoning for that, you know, legal or, or whatever, well, what have you, whatever reason there is for blurring that out. I'm not going to, you know, say that's that in itself is shady or anything, but there is part of that. It, it could that be something out. as simple. It could be something as simple as, a, as the name of the person she's texting could be blurred yeah, out for language. Exactly. Um, yeah. yeah. So, exactly. so I'm not, I'm not tying any like, you know, uh, uh, what do they call like uh, uh, conspiracy theories to that, you know, but, the part that you can see in the text message does recount a very similar story. And assuming this was sent to a person, not at Uber. So it kind of helps corroborate a story. So listen, I got it. But at the end of the day, we still have a situation where we have a reporter and we have an accused, right? We've got a, we've got a, a, a reported uh, a complainant and we've got an, a person who's accused. What we don't have is any smoking gun and all that stuff. And I'm not trying to be, you know, all CSI effect here, uh, you know, as my generation tends to be, but, Again, punishing someone on the basis of an accusation with zero corroborating evidence is just it's a dangerous precedent to me. I understand it's a business, so at the same so businesses don't operate 
within the same parameters as the law does. I understand that. Um, I will say this though, like, so, and, and some of this is coming back to me, right? So if memory serves correct, and again, I haven't been following this, you know, uh, I'm not a TMZ guy, this doesn't interest me um, on a personal level, right? So this isn't something I might make personal time to go and track down the latest. I wait for guys like Rick Stroud to tell me what's important. Um, from what I remember, basically he, I don't want to say he refused, but like the question was how many people were in the car, who was in the car, and he really wasn't willing to go out there and say all those things. Ronald Darby kind of came out on his own and said, hey, I was there. That's not how it went down type of thing. Uh, of course, there was all kinds of questions surrounding his statement and his motivations. You know, as always, everybody has external motivators, so uh, it is what it is. But if we're going to take her word, uh, we, we have to take Ronald Darby's word, right? Like, if we're going to take one person's word with zero physical evidence, we've got to take another person's word with zero physical evidence. Because make no mistake about it, this woman has the potential to gain just as much as Ronald Darby has the potential to gain uh, in this in this situation. So they both have a potential reason to be lying. Now, I'm not saying either one of them are, but they both do have a potential reason to be lying, so let's be real about that. Uh, where I think the suspension is going to most likely come in to play, honestly, is because he's a quarterback. And quarterbacks, especially franchise quarterbacks, like this isn't, you know, I don't know, uh, Trent Dilfer in his, in his Buccaneers days. Like this is a, this is a franchise quarterback that people are, are, are tying Super Bowl hopes to in the National Football League in today's society with social media and all that stuff. So I'm not saying like if this were a linebacker or a safety or a running back, it would just be a fine. But I'm saying that the potential, the, the, the need that the NFL might feel to make a bigger statement definitely is impacted by the fact that James Winston is a quarterback. And because of his history, whether it's fair or not, uh, his history is always going to come up in these situations. So that's pretty much the last I want to, I'm going to say on it at this point. Yeah, and I'm I'm with you. Uh, I don't really have too much more to to add to it, uh, other than I wish he would just hurry up and get done. Let's find out what's going on. Let's find out the, right. you know, the the fate of the team. And and you know, I I don't want to, I don't want to make this sound like I don't care, because if if Jameis did what he was accused of doing, there's absolutely positively nothing okay about that. Um, you know, I I said the same thing about the, the investigation when he was at Florida state and all that. So, you know, I, I don't want to sweep this, sweep this under the rug. Like, Oh, it's not a big deal because it absolutely is if it indeed happened. But what, what we want at this point is we, we want, and we need the NFL to wrap up their investigation, find out what they know that they're willing to release to the public, find out if there is any punishment whatsoever and we can we can move on so with that david let's go ahead and tackle that twitter question real fast and uh let these fine folks go about their day uh without having to listen to us babble (laughs) yeah so uh (laughs) dallas nelson uh hit us up at dallas dallas uh let me start that over at dallas nelson 35 common spelling for both those words um here's what he sent in what personnel moves if any do you want the bucks to make at this point any free agents still out there you want to take a chance on or anyone that might be available via trade? Uh, me personally, I don't want to really see them trade for anyone. Uh, 
the NFL trade market is a very funny thing. You know, we see we see some trades go down when free agency starts off, but now that these guys are in their offseason programs, we're probably not going to see many, if any, trades go down. As far as free agents, you know, I wouldn't mind seeing them address the safety position. No, that doesn't necessarily mean it has to be a, an Eric Reed type, although he's a phenomenal player. Um, that cost may be a little high, and the Bucks are low on cap space, especially after the Jason Pierre-Paul move. I would say right now I'm fine with them leaving things as is. You know, we're going to have that that next wave of free agency closer to the start of the season. Remember last year, that's when they got TJ Ward. He was released surprisingly by the Broncos. The Bucks were able to swoop in and get him. You're going to see things like that happen. You're going to see some guys get cut as as cap casualties and, you know, maybe scheme fits and things of that nature. You have new coaching regimes taking over at certain places, and sometimes incumbent players just don't happen to fit that system, and they don't really know for sure until they're actually in pads, you know, running plays and all that, not doing, as Dirk Cutter referred to it, underwear football in these mini camps. So I would be perfectly fine seeing them stand pat and not do anything else. You're going to see them release a bunch of players, of course, to get down to the 53-man roster. You may see a signing here or there, but I think at this point they're going to focus on depth, and they're, they're starting You know, 22 players are pretty much going to be set. You're going to see more fluctuation in that based on in-camp battles rather than outside hires. Guys, you remember the days when you were always ready to go? Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up. BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color. BlueChew.com brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach, and since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever the opportunity arises. Blue Chew is prescribed online and ships straight to your door in a discreet package. So no in-person doctor's visit, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code Locked On. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com, promo code Locked On to try it free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, I agree. I don't feel like uh, we're going to see any real impactful, like any big name guys come in. Like, I don't think there's going to be an Eric Reed coming in or anything like that. Um, one player I do like that's out there that you're going to hate is Jonathan Hankins, um, defensive lineman. Was that? Nothing, nothing. Continue. <laughs> Listen, it's not, it's not an Ohio State thing, okay? Um, it's an Ohio I just, State By thing. the way, just I just went on the record saying Ezekiel Elliott fully deserved everything he got, and he's an Ohio State guy, okay? So it's not an Ohio State thing. Um, however, Hankins is much better suited as, as a 3-4-5 tech than he is for any type of 4-3 player, and I'm not even trying to get into the Buccaneers running a 3-4. If the Buccaneers are going to run a 3-4, 
it's going to be like a occasional type of deal. So you're not going to go out and sign a guy who really only only operates in a three four uh, to use on an occasional basis. So I mean, barring injuries and stuff like that, like I, I don't really see them doing a whole lot more just because what they've already got on roster and what they have they're looking forward to in the future. Um, this, I think Jason like pretty much got it in place where it's a really nice balance and there's just a pull a few triggers he needs to pull in the future to make sure he keeps the, the, the base of the team uh, steady and adding another big name or adding another significant contract uh, for this season is only going to add more chaos. Cause I mean, that secondary, like I know not everybody's really happy with, with necessarily how the team addressed the safety position, uh, especially those who wanted the team to take Derwin James, but there's a lot of, of new blood in that secondary, and as exciting as that is, um, that can also be very problematic because you've got to get all these new people on the same page. You now have blown your continuity uh, through the roof, like or out the wall, you know, whatever you want to call it. Um, and so that's that's a task in itself, and uh, adding more to it, especially at, now that we're already into OTAs, now we're, that we're already getting into uh, the mini camps and nearing training camp, like you're just going to set yourself back a little bit more. So like I said, barring necessity as in an injury, something like that, I don't really see it happening. Um, and then trades. Yeah, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't see any trades. The only thing, the only thing really, and I, and I wrote about this uh, is uh, the supplemental draft. And there's, uh, I, I saw an article earlier. There's three guys that are, that are bringing up some interests that are now in the supplemental draft. One of them is a cornerback. I wrote about it on the Peter Plank. Um, just a couple days ago, referenced it again in a, in a post, I think, yesterday, uh, yeah, yesterday. Who, uh, you know, guy out of Virginia Tech who's, who's viewed as a kind of a uh, potential late first round, early, you know, day two type of guy. Had he come out of the draft or had he been able to play a senior year, he's not going to play a senior year because of grade, which uh, everybody should do their homework. Like, I agree. But when you're talking <laughs> about an NFL professional, um, like, Okay, is he not doing his chem homework, but he's studying his playbook? Well, as an NFL player, we can work with that. You know what I mean? Like, I don't really need you to be a college graduate to be an effective NFL player as long as your bad study habits are only confined to the classroom. Now, if your bad study habits also come to the field and I find out that you've been successful at Virginia Tech as much as you had based off a of raw athletic ability and you don't feel like you need to study, well, then I'm going to give you a nice a hard pass. You know what I mean? But if the, the study problems uh, – are only in the classroom, we can, we'll be all right. Uh, so supplemental draft, I think, is actually something that we might be able to see the Buccaneers get into. I don't want to just recap my entire post on it, but basically, you know, a lot of people are speculating that Jason White's on the hot seat, and this is kind of a make-or-break year for him and coaching staff. So if it is, um, spending a third-round pick on a supplemental draft player who has potential uh, day one, day two uh, talent, you're, you're playing with house money because if it works, then you come back. Yes, you don't have a third-round draft pick next year, but you're back. You have a job still, which is the more important part, right, uh, personally speaking. And obviously it works. Therefore, you have a player who was probably worth that third-round draft pick, if not more. And we've already seen what Jason Light can do coming into draft day with no third-round draft pick. Um, if it doesn't work, you're fired, looking for a new job, and you probably don't really care what the Bucks do with their third-round draft pick in 2019. Right? <laughs> Pretty much. So the supplemental draft really is, is really the only place I'm, I have my eyes turned right now uh, for potential to add a player anymore. All right. Well, David, I think that's going to wrap it up for us today. Anything else you want to throw in before we close things out? No, we appreciate the question, though. And uh, I, I do that a lot. I, I say no and then I say something. Anyway, 
I <laughs> uh, appreciate the question. Um, guys, if you have any more, you know, I know uh, it, there's not a whole lot going on right now between now and training camp. But, you know, if you've got roster questions, bubble questions, you know, I mean, I, if you've got 2019 draft questions, you know, shoot them to us and, and uh, you know, we'll, we'll address them the best we can. Yeah, well, and, and as we heard on, on one of the episodes last week, Greco Suave was asking us about Marvel costumes. So, yeah, ask us anything. It's the offseason. Let's have some fun. But <clears throat> until then, make sure that you're checking out everything that David and I are doing over at thepewterplank.com and make sure that you follow everything that we're doing on Twitter at Locked On Bucks, at the Pewter Plank, at JARCO underscore Bucks, and at DH82 underscore Bucks. We'd like to thank each and every one of you for joining us right here at Locked On Bucks. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.